shaking everybody you're listening to another episode of improv tabletop the show where we usually do a whole bunch of rpg stuff but today we are having an interview with my good friend and yours connor wood backflipper yes oh man you can do a, a really good backflip just just it's a really true. cool backflip. yeah everyone who knows me in real life knows this yeah yeah january is probably the one that's like most directly inspired by you out of all the characters you've done <laughs> I think so. I just let all the Connor leak through in him. <laughs> exactly. Well, dude, I'm looking forward to this interview, yeah. giving our audience a chance to sort of recognize one of the things that I really enjoy about like having met you is like within the first couple weeks of like interacting, we got into Peter and the Starcatchers together. Mm. I came to this realization of like, man, this guy and I have a lot of similar interests and a lot of very niche and geeky things. Yes. Uh, when I, I met Ned, I was like, this man has been mining from the same cave as me as far as... <laughs> Secret media. <laughs> yep, deep in the bowels of internet meme culture and whatnot. Right. Well, uh, to start off getting to let our audience know you a little bit, we're going to start off with our just general icebreakers. First question, what is your favorite breakfast cereal? Okay, you know, this is apparently a controversial answer to some, but I'm just going to come out right and say it. Uh, I like Cinnamon Life quite a lot. Ooh. Yeah, maybe a little bit too gritty for some in the morning, but for me, it's it's... Not too overtly sweet. It's uh, you can have it late at night, early in the morning. Incredibly versatile. Get some fruit on there. Mm. I have not had life in a hot minute. I'm, I'm actually going to add that to my shopping list right yeah. now because I'm I'm feeling the cravings. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, if you go n just plain old normal flavorless life, definitely throw some like banana slices in there. Cinnamon life is. Good to go by itself or with whatever fruit. Nice. Yeah. Next up, who is your favorite Winnie the Pooh character? You know, if you would have asked me this as a child, I feel like my answer would have been very different, maybe more Tigger leaning, but I love me some rabbit. I yeah. think I'm at this uh, day and age where he's like the grumpy neighbor, but now I just recognize that as like a normal dude. Yeah. That's my spirit animal, a normal kind of grumpy guy. Yeah, rabbit is, I, the more I grow up, the more I find myself kind of relating to the straight man yeah. in these situations. <laughs> Just definitely add, adding a very valuable foil to all of the other crazy, like he's neurotic in his own way, but in a practical kind of way. Oh yeah. And what is your dream job or vocation? Oh man, dream job or vacation, vocation rather. Um, I, I will say, you know, here now, the, the year of our Lord 2024, um, I would love to be an actor. I'd love to devote all of my time and energy and artistic juices. I keep saying juices. Mm -hmm. all, all of my energy towards that full time. Um, but, you know, we also live in a very capitalist leaning society, so that's not the most viable thing. However, if it were my choice to take any vacation through history, I want to be, dang it, I, I want to be a lighthouse keeper. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and not like a go crazy and get drunk off makeshift moonshine. I, I, I just really think there's something. So you, if I had like a crew of two or three of my 
closest homies in the world and we just like took care of this beautiful lighthouse and had the ocean right there man that'd be the best that'd be the best yeah oh man dude you were there for the first moment that i watched a horror film and legitimately enjoyed it when we watched the lighthouse together back in the day oh it's so good so good uh and now i'm just gonna throw out a quick little plug for a little indie video game called no one lives under the lighthouse Mm. i don't know if you're familiar with that one i'm not yeah it, it leans into a lot of like oh it it takes some wild twists and turns. Uh, but yeah, no one lives under the lighthouse. You play as a lighthouse keeper who's slowly going insane. It's great. I want to plug back just a little bit from my childhood and maybe part of the reason why I have such a weird fixation with lighthouses. Yeah. There was a computer like desktop game called Lighthouse. I think it was my first rated M game I played. Ooh. Uh, and it was very like mist esque uh, in that, you know, you're looking around this environment and every now and then you'll get a jump scare. Yeah, I think it was called Lighthouse. I, I just remember playing the intro over and over and never getting past that part. But I'm not I'm not saying go play it. I'm just saying that's that's a thing. <laughs> See, Lighthouse the Dark Being, does that sound familiar? Sounds about right. If it's like 2001 or like 1990, whatever, that's it. Yeah, it's a 96 game. Sounds like the one. Man. Well, yeah, let's uh, talk a little bit now about your history with improv and with acting uh, you have done a lot of really cool roles that I have seen you do yeah. and a lot of other really cool roles that I have not unfortunately had the chance to see you do. Uh, but yeah, what's kind of your history with that? Heck yeah. So I've, I've loved theater and acting and just the arts in general ever since a very young age. My first show was Beauty and the Beast back in seventh grade. Mm. And from there, you know, I just caught the actor's itch real hard. Come high school, I got into improvisation and uh, was actively part of the improv troupe. Just really started to to grow and develop my love for that. Um, and and you know, as I was growing as a human and as a performer, I just started to realize like this is such a cool outlet for us to play um, in a way that we're able to share with an adult audience and and have there still be that connection while being our inner child and bringing out our, our you know, inner younger selves to really just let them go free. And I, I love that. Mm-hmm. So uh, my main focus as an actor has always been straight plays, believe it or not, as, as more of a dramatic actor is what I see myself. Mm-hmm. But I really do enjoy the comedic stuff. Ned and I have done a lot, a lot of uh, comedic roles together, you know, Twelfth Night. That was so great. That was so great. Yeah, in addition to Peter and the Starcatcher, all sorts of fun shows. And yeah, no, I, I've got a, uh, just such a deep love for the theater as well as uh, improv as a medium. So I just think it's really cool that we get to come together here and kind of, you know, put that forward. Yeah, it's also kind of interesting, like hearing you say that you enjoy doing straight plays more. I mean, I personally enjoy doing straight plays more, mm-hmm. but you've gotten a lot of really powerful musical roles. Like yeah. you've been Max Bialystok, you've been Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors. Le- Leo Bloom. I was Leo Bloom in The Producers. Oh, yeah, that's yes. right. Oh, gosh. I mean, hey, potato, potato. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, recently was that. I did play Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors, and, and a lot of that has been since uh, the pandemic, actually. I guess just more local theaters have been doing a lot of musicals. I, I think more people want to sing and dance and tap their toes and smile mm-hmm. <laughs> lately, especially. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Staying involved in theater where I can. Mm-hmm. And the uh, improv side of things, mm. you got into Comic Frenzy, I think my last semester, was it? I'm trying to remember how many semesters we had together. I, I believe so. It was your last or second to last um, 
because I know you were there for the dragons. Yeah. The dragon nicknames. Um, were you there for the colors or was the dragons your last one? I think the dragons was my last. Okay. So yeah, this is a little comic frenzy lore for our audience. <laughs> Every semester we would make our own shirts for the group. They would have the comic frenzy logo on the front of the CF shield. Mm. And then on the back, we would uh, come up with themed nicknames. <laughs> so like my very first semester, we did hobo nicknames. Let's go. Uh, we did like my little pony nicknames at one point. <laughs> and then our very last semester, well, my very last semester, we did dragon nicknames. Mm. And of course that was right after we were getting into Dungeons and Dragons in a pretty intense manner. Uh, I don't remember all the nicknames, but I remember your nickname was Bahamut the Unceasing. Yes. And my nickname was Iro Dragon of the West. Ha <laughs> Yeah. For our Avatar listeners, hey. Oh uh, yeah, those solid times. And man, the more that I've been kind of examining uh, what I want to get out of this podcast, especially like since we switched back to the Fate campaigns from doing the Avatar stuff, like the Avatar stuff is great, but what really kind of represents the heart and soul of this podcast to me is like, when I graduated and, you know, wasn't able to spend as much time with all of you peeps, I was like, man, I don't want to stop doing improv with these people. <laughs> so, right. yeah, I, I've been really feeling like coming back to sort of that core, that center of the podcast, just like this is my chance to keep making up fun, stupid stories with my friends. Heck yeah. I believe the loosey-goosey stuff is where we can see the best and the worst. Um, the <laughs> yeah. highest, highest highs and the lowest lows, and I, I love it there. <laughs> yeah, that is just improv in a nutshell. The highest highs and the lowest lows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, moving on to the second part of Improv Tabletop, what is your history with geekery and with RPGs in particular? Oh, boy, oh, boy. I came into the hospital with a Game Boy in my hand once <laughs> I was born. Nice. I don't know if that's true, but I believe it. Yeah, no, I, I've been a geek since day zero. I I think that there is something just so uh, luring and enticing and fun about the fantastical and you know things that that can't quite exist in this reality but we can still you know utilize our imaginations and play around with that I grew up reading a lot of comics a lot of uh, manga I was in anime video games card games you name it I mean I was the definitive nerd back in like grade school yeah going back to what I said about like our interests spanning a lot of uh, very similar sort of things like you were there the very first time I ran a session of Dungeons and Dragons like actual Dungeons and Dragons yeah a lot of like geeky music is one of the very first things we noticed was like I was mm. playing some Jonathan Colton songs on my guitar that'll do it and you recognized them and I was like okay yeah this is, this is a good connection moment <laughs> Jonathan Colton they might be giants David Bowie there was lots of good uh, mm -hmm. synchrony there <laughs> yeah well, getting into this podcast, who would you say are your top three characters that you've played so far and what do you enjoy the most about them? Mm, okay, so definitely uh, I feel like one of the first campaigns where I really started to understand fate um, in the mechanics and, and the kind of teamwork element was uh, Animal Station. So yeah. Mayor Brimpus Chimpus uh, is definitely one of my top three. Uh, had a really good time with Caleb and McKenna and you on that one. Um, yeah, I, I think that was just kind of like where the seeds had started to really sprout for me in playing with this system. So really, really thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, ugh, I was kind of stuck between William Katner and Ditto for, for number two, is, but mm -hmm. recency bias aside, I think I really did have a good time with Ditto. Yeah. And I know that was that same group. So fun time there. Speaking of group, uh, January is definitely my next boy. Yeah. Um, I don't, I just have so many questions still for this version of Hogwarts we're at. 
Uh, and I, and whenever we're playing, it really does feel like the mics aren't there. Like I'm just, I don't know, rolling dice in my living room with my friends. So that's, yeah, that's so fun. I like Kids on Broom a lot. It's a <laughs> real fun game. I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, an interesting thing that I've like kind of noticed about your characters is we talked a little bit about, you know, kind of the relatability of the straight man as you start getting older. And a lot of your characters, like the three that you mentioned, I don't know that I would necessarily call them a straight man per se, <laughs> yeah. because they, they all certainly are agents of chaos in their own way. Naturally. But you have this really interesting way of playing a chaotic character, but a character who still has sufficient motivation to move the story forward in meaningful ways. Thank you. I try to keep the group goal in mind when goofing about, because I, I do think that there is plenty of space and time to goof about and to... I, I don't know, just try to incite something for the fun of it. But I also think that keeping in the back of your mind, like we have this goal or we are heading towards this direction really helps to keep things moving in a constructive way and not just dwelling on a playground, you know? Yeah, because like my interior monologue kind of constantly while I'm running these games is let's keep the story moving. Let's keep the story <laughs> yeah. moving. That momentum is very important. So that's kind of like my primary job is to just make sure things are moving forward. Mm. But there is always like, you know, room within that to just kind of have fun, goof around. But definitely a lot of games that I've played in the past can get kind of bogged down in just the goofing around. Sure. So as long as you've got that good balance of, yes, we're goofing around, we're having fun, but in a way like that, that's the best of both words. We're goofing around and having fun, but in a way that still moves the story forward. Absolutely. Yeah, we've we've really been kind of finding our footing with that. I think like around Animal Station was where we really, as a group, I think, started understanding how the game worked. Yes. And since we rebooted the Fate campaigns recently, it's like, okay, we know how how the game works we can put that in the back of our minds and now we're able to just really lean into the story momentum in some really fun ways absolutely and oddly enough i feel like we when recording have kind of an advantage as players because we put these into usually four pockets of story mm -hmm. so we can kind of break it up into quarters and that really just helps us think like okay what do we want to accomplish in the next hour or whatever our recording is going to look like. Yeah. So that that helps. Yeah, it's uh, the longer we get into it, the more I feel like we've kind of really stumbled into a very fortuitous sort of format right at the very beginning. Of yeah, this. no kidding. Well, kind of getting into the wrapping up portion of this interview, do you have any advice for people who might want to get into improv? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just sort of the nature of the beast is you are not always going to be in an environment where you're gonna have a community center that organizes improv practice or that does XYZ exercises in a formal setting. So if you have a group of friends or even if you yourself have an interest, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and you know try a organized improv game with a set of rules with your friends and just see how it goes. You know, if, if you're with a group of people that you trust, you know, at least in a fundamental level, you're gonna have a good time. Worst case scenario, it's a party game that doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. But in, in the better case scenario, you find a group of people who you gel with and you continue with that. And again, even if there is no formality to it, if it's something you wanna cultivate, just keep up with the experiences with it, you know? Play, uh, that's what I would say as far as starting to build your tool set with improv. Yeah, 
One of the things that you mentioned I think is important not just for doing improv but also for playing RPGs is you're going to have more fun with both of those if you do it with people that you trust. Mm. And like certainly there are people who it's like well I am the only person in my friend group who's interested in doing improv or I'm the only person who's interested in playing RPGs and so you do have to kind of go outside of your realm and maybe do some improv with people you don't know very well. And, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit hairy as far as uh, what kind of experience you get out of it. Right. But, you know, after time, building those relationships, like a good example for me is in I Cast Fireball. Uh, that cast is myself, Thomas Brower, who has been in many campaigns with you. Woo. And then our friends, Jacob and Mickey. I had very, very limited experiences with Jacob and Mickey mm-hmm. before we actually sat down and started recording for that podcast. And so it was a little rocky for me at first, but like that is the beauty of being able to have a group of people that you can stick with. Yeah. It's kind of the longevity is another huge factor of it. Like eventually over time, I just got to come to an understanding of how Mickey and Jacob tick as performers and as players. And now, boom, we're super tight. Heck yeah. I've, I've had a lot of similar experiences too. I, I think through both improv and TTRPGs, you can just really, uh, again, with that, that group mind and that kind of, that mentality of achieving a goal together, it's a really good place to get to know people better and make like lasting friends. Yeah. And that's, it's the thing that really sticks with you after the fact mm. is, you know, more than just sitting down and having a fun game or, you know, a fun performing experience. It's the, you know, the connection, the human connection that we're making along the way that is so compelling about both of these fields. Absolutely. And then on the other side of that coin, do you have any additional advice for people who might want to get into tabletop gaming? Yes. Now this is conventionally going to be uh, a lot easier, comma, and a lot more location-based. If you have any sort of local comic shops or board game stores, hobby shops, whatever, they will very often host some sort of event, whether, again, whether that's formal or something that they have an option for their customers, just chit chat with them. Uh, If you have any sort of local hobby stores, first of all, give them your money. Mm -hmm. Second of all, they're so cool and accommodating. If you have a group of people that you already have, great, see if they can get you situated there. If not, I I know my local comic shop, uh, Kapow Comic and Games, shout out, They have, I want to say it's like a bi-monthly thing where they just have several tables going on. You can come and see if you gel with a group. If not, that's okay. Try again in a couple weeks. It's very accessible. There's lots of options. And again, it's just about finding a group that you trust, that you click with, and whose schedule inevitably lines up with yours. Yeah, that's one thing I love about every time I walk into a gaming store is there's just a bunch of tables and there's people just sitting there playing games together right here in the game shop. (laughs) Hanging out, yeah. You know, again, support your friendly local game store, you know, monetarily if you can, but they're also pretty darn cool. I I find about just like giving you a place to game. Absolutely. If you want to just sit down and have a place to do that for a bit. Yeah, so when I was towards the end of my high school career, I would go to Kapow... Um, this was, mind you, two shops ago. They moved their shop two times since this. Um, but I'd go to Kapow with my one deck of magic and like talk to the dude there for hours at a time. And he'll, he'd help me like build around it, teach me about combos, whatever. I was just like a kid, a snot-nosed kid who barely had any money hanging out. And they were so cool and accepting. So yes, great environments. Uh, check them out if you have the money. Throw them the money. <laughs> yes. Well, do you have any other final comments that you would like to give to all of our friends out there in podcast world? Oh, man. No, I think the uh, phrase of the day is just try new things. You know, there's lots of experiences that are that you're not going to gel with. 
um, be it theater or improv or tabletop RPGs or whatever, but nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah. And that is very much something I've learned in uh, improv. Yeah, that's very, very important with improv is just like, I think I've mentioned this before on some episodes, but our wonderful instructor, good old Trevor Hill, his motto was, if you're going to suck, suck big. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just get out there and do it. Maybe it's not going to be great, but at least you've made the attempt. Loud and proud, baby. <laughs> well, thank you, Connor, for this lovely interview. And thank you, friends out there in Podcast World, for joining us for this experience. Uh, we will be back next week with more episodes for you to listen to. Connor is going to be in those episodes. Yeah. Yes, we're going to start recording our James Bond-themed campaign very, very <laughs> shortly here. It's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. And also, a little sneak peek, uh, if you are one of our patrons... Uh, you might be seeing Connor coming up in a different campaign in the very near future. So, yes, very excited to give you more details about that as they come. But until next time, I've been Ned Wilcock, your host and not GM, but usually GM, but mostly just your host this time. And I've been joined by... Conrad Woodard, uh, pigs can fly shirt. Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next time on Improv Tabletop.